grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. For God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, for as a father has mercy upon his children, so the Lord has mercy upon those who fear him. And as a mother comforts her child, so the Lord will comfort you. I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. Those who believe in me, though they were dead, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Let us worship God. pray. Eternal God, your love for us is everlasting, and you alone can turn the shadow of death into the brightness of the morning light. Help us then in this hour to turn to you with reverent and believing hearts, 
in the stillness speak to us of eternal things so that hearing the promises of scripture we may have hope and be lifted above our darkness and distress into the light and peace of your presence through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. At this time we gather for many different reasons. First of all, we are grateful to be gathering with more than just what we see here in the sanctuary as we are live streaming the service to many across the country, perhaps even the globe. So we are glad to welcome all of you into this service of worship and this time of remembering with great fondness our dear sister Pat. But we gather here for lots of reasons. First, to express our sorrow. It was Phyllis Brooks who once said, we could not cease to mourn without being robbed of our affections. And so it is that we are gathered to express our sorrow and to know that God is present with us and comforting us. We're here as speaking of comfort, also to receive comfort from those who shared our love of Pat. We are gathered together from far and from near uh, to be a representation of that great communion of people that share the journey with Pat. And we receive comfort from each other as we know of God's spirits being present with us. How much we would love to be able to give big hugs and uh, kisses on the cheek, but we um, are grateful that we are seeking to keep ourselves well and safe during this very strange time. We're also here to give thanks. We give thanks to God today for the God is the author of every good and perfect gift, and we give thanks to God for the great gift that we know in this wonderful, wonderful woman, mother and wife and um, grandmother and friend and one who just uh, embodies so much of all of what is good about life. And we give thanks to God for the ways by which he showed us how to live. And then also, and perhaps most of all, we're here to rejoice. We're here to rejoice because the promise of the gospel is that life does not end with death, that in Jesus Christ we are assured of life eternal. And so we rejoice today to know that Pat is free from that which held her back in these last uh, couple of years, and to know that she is now experiencing that full communion with her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. So in that spirit, let us hear the words of scripture that through them we may be again assured of God's promises and of God's presence. First, the familiar 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then these words from Ecclesiastes. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, 
a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Again, have the workers from their toil, I've seen the business that God has given everyone to be busy with and he has made everything suitable for its time. And then these words of Jesus the night before his own death, when he speaks to his disciples and says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. May the Lord bless to us an understanding of this, his holy word. I'd like to invite Bryce Dryden to come forward to speak. Bryce, one of Pat's two sons, is going to share some memories from their family. Good morning. For those of you I do not know, my name is Bryce Dryden, and Pat, Pat was my mom. She grew up in South Bend, Indiana, being active in church and her church youth group. During one particular youth group outing at Diamond Lake in Michigan, mom went for her first sale. A seed was planted that grew into a lifelong activity and passion. After graduating high school, mom could not wait to go away to college. She has always been independent. Attending Purdue University, she joined a sailing team there. Her love for sailing is one of her lasting legacies. My brother Blair and I share her passion for the sport, and even now some of her grandchildren follow suit. Mom and dad joined the Indianapolis Sailing Club but only after Blair and I were proficient swimmers. When we first toured the Indianapolis, or the, the sailing club as a family, Blair and I were excited that we would be getting a powerboat. Speed in the water. And I remember our first sailboat ride, there wasn't much wind, and I was able to drag my two fingers through the water, creating that illusion of a water skier expertly cutting through the water. However, our powerboat dreams were not to be. Early one spring, we drove to Racine, Wisconsin, 
to buy a used black thistle, a three-person sailboat. Our first impression of the boat was quite the opposite of the powerboat we had dreamed of. It was housed in a barn, and we found it with a flat tire. Shortly thereafter, uh, along with the mentor, our entire family took a newly acquired thistle out for a sale, and the day didn't quite go as planned. One minute we were sailing across Geis Reservoir, the next minute all of us but Dad were swimming in the cold early spring water. Yes, we had capsized, and Dad, averting the water like a cat, had pivoted onto the centerboard without getting wet. I don't think Mom ever forgave him for that. I was seven and Blair was six when we started taking sailing lessons. We spent weekends and every summer at Geist Reservoir, first in the beginner junior opti boats, graduating to single-handed lasers and eventually thistles. When we were first taking lessons, Mom would alternate taking Blair and I out on the water in our laser while the other one was in formal sailing lessons. She worked with each of us on fundamental sailing skills. Mom was a really good sailor, and we enjoyed the one-on-one -on -one time with her as she helped us gain both skills and our confidence. We grew to love sailing and the sailing community. Our fleet hosted two regattas each year, which attracted lots of good sailors from neighboring states. Always incredible hostess, Mom volunteered our house to the out-of-town teams. We would have as many as 15 to 25 people scattered throughout the house. Blair and I would give up our bedrooms, sleeping in sleeping bags on the floor of Mom and Dad's room, while teams took over our rooms and any available floor space, including the den, all areas of the living room, dining room, and Mom loved it. I vividly remember going downstairs in the morning with mom, tiptoeing because people were still asleep, and being amazed at seeing the number of people sleeping everywhere, even under the dining room table. I couldn't believe it. Cautiously navigating our way to the kitchen, mom would prepare a large breakfast for all our sailing guests, complete with waffles, omelets, bacon, sausage, English muffins, and fruit. It was a breakfast smorgasbord, with people eating in shifts, chipping in to help cook and clean up. I credit Mom for giving us a good sailing foundation, a passion for one-design dinghy sailing, and a perseverance to never give up in a race, no matter the conditions or how we were performing. She emphasized that a race is never over until we cross the finish line. Most importantly, she taught that it was not how we finished, but the manner in which we sailed, conducting ourselves in true Corinthian spirit both on and off the water. In addition to teaching us perseverance and sportsmanship, Mom also led by example through her actions, such as how to follow through on convictions, setting a high bar for ourselves and meeting it, and how to help others. She loved mentoring, associates, as well as tutoring here at the church. In addition to sailing, Mom also had a passion and a talent for interior design and decorating. 
Growing up, we lived in what you would call today a fixer-upper. It was an old house with lots of charm, and Mom went room by room, transforming it into a home. Granted, it was the 70s, and there was lots of shag carpeting, but she had a vision for each room. Creatively and on a budget, she worked to redo the whole house. Mom was not only creative around the house, but she was also creative when it came to discipline and punishment. The hardest part was that she would consult many of our close friends about what she would do, which meant others would know all about our mishaps. After a delay of several days, we would finally receive our punishment. The drawn-out wait and the imagined punishments, combined with her sharing our actions with others, was worse than the actual punishment itself. I've read that Ruth Graham Bell once put Franklin Graham in the car trunk on the way home from a restaurant after he misbehaved. Mom never did that, but there's one story that comes close. <laughs> Blair began using choice words. <laughs> yeah, that makes you cry. Washing our mouths out with soap was the normal parental threat back then, but mom had a better idea. At one point, mom had finally had enough. She angrily asked Blair and I to get in the car, drove us to a very rough section of town. In the middle of the street, she stopped the car, which frightened both of us. Then she said, if you want to talk like that, you can live here challenging Blair to get out of the car at that instant. <laughs> Thankfully, Blair didn't get out of the car, but she had clearly made her point and certainly left an indelible impression on Blair and me as well. Another unorthodox punishment happened when I was five. Mom required me to wear patches over both my eyes for the entire day in order to experience what it would be like to be blind. You see, I had hurt a family friend's eye by accident. Staying home for the day, trying, trying to navigate around the house, would have been tough enough, in my opinion. But mom had to accentuate the point by having me go out in public. She even made me walk to the next door neighbor's house and engage them in conversation about my patches before I was allowed to remove them. Thankfully, after many tests were conducted, doctors said our family friend would be fine with no long-term damage. Again, I learned a valuable lesson in a most unique and impactful way. As most brothers do, Blair and I did our fair amount of wrestling, roughhousing, and simply having disagreements that turned physical. When mom reached her limit, after repeated warnings, she would say, I'm going to get the wooden spoons. And we knew exactly what she meant. Um, we had this large rack of wooden spoons. There were about 15 of varying sizes, and the largest being about the size of a pancake, at least so it seemed to me. The handles were skinny, about two feet long. Mom declaring her intentions didn't always stop us, but when we heard her pull the spoon from the rack, along with her heavy foot stomps, then it was watch out. 
What she didn't know is that we had learned to jump just a hair as the swat was being applied in order to lessen the sting. We pushed mom to her limit more than a few times. I believe she even broke a spoon on one of us, but I don't remember which one it was. Even when we were in college age and well into our 20s, if needed, she would half tease about getting the wooden spoons out. Other vivid memories include mom making most of our clothes early on, having us wear saddle shoes with knickers to church, which we couldn't wait to grow out of, hand peeling and freezing fruit, such as peaches, strawberries, blueberries, and a tasty sugary sauce to be eaten later in the year, during hot summers, driving the black Mustang convertible with the top down to the Country Club of Indianapolis for a fun day swimming at the pool, the morning after having participated in a 4th of July chicken dinner for the entire sailing club, then searching through all the trash cans, picking through all the chicken bones for the missing headgear, Blair and I having our wisdom teeth out at the same time, while being heavily sedated, mom having to support us both as we got into the elevator and then back out to the car. A special group of mom, a special group to mom, when she was growing up was her Bible study in Indianapolis. They called themselves the Monday group. Even though they are now scattered across the country, these ladies remain some of her closest friends. Here in Sarasota, mom helped form a Bible study that also became extremely special. Both groups of women really prayed her and our family through some difficult times. We're so thankful that she had a strong faith-based network of women to lean on and mentor her. Many of them reached out to me after mom's passing, and one of her friends used the adjectives luminous and golden to describe mom. I wholeheartedly agree. Mom was a single parent when there was more of a stigma attached. And because of this, I felt, I believe she felt she needed to work harder and longer and outperform all expectations. This would remain a challenge throughout her life because she expected a lot of herself and all those around her. She was a real estate agent in the 1970s when women were just starting to get into the industry. She said there was a group of women who always liked to play at real estate and did more talking than working. But she pushed herself. She kept to the hard tasks at hand, taking phone duty at the office, following up on leads, making cold calls, and trying to convince for sale by owners to list with her. Her tenacity and perseverance paid off, and she had a successful career as a realtor first with AHM Graves, and then with Remax, where she handled lots of corporate relocations for Eli Lilly. Her clients became friends, and in one case, her husband, Dick. He was the love of her life. <laughs> Having brought her much happiness and joy these last 26 years, mom was always happiest when she was on or near water, as well as being with people. She never tired of watching and listening to the rhythm of the water and waves and the sunset and sunrises. 
She also cherished family, especially, and especially loved when we were all together. One of her primary love languages was quality time. As such, for the past 12 years, Mom, Dick, Blair, me, our new sisters and brothers, with each of our families, have taken beach trips together, with all 24 of us staying together in one house. She loved those trips. We all did. Grandchildren really enjoyed these trips, as it always has been the highlight of their summers. Though many of the grandkids have graduated college, are in graduate school, or working, they still orchestrate their vacations to attend the family beach trip. This always thrilled mom, probably more than many of us know. The family beach pictures turned into Christmas cards was evidence not only of our fun, but how much we all meant to her. Mom loved playing games, and what she liked more than anything was winning. No matter your age, don't ever count on her to let up. She was all in all the time. Being a math major, she loved numbers. She was so good at them too. She had a natural talent for remembering phone numbers, birth dates, and ages. Even with 15 grandchildren, off the top of her head, she could tell you the birthday age of everyone, as well as anniversaries and birthdays and special dates of close friends. Some of her favorite games were dominoes, rubby cube, and hearts. When she won, she'd give us this wry smile. She and Dick would go at it in friendly terms, with Dick needling and teasing her a lot in order to break her conversation. Needless to say, she endured it well only when she was winning. Mom always was always willing to learn new things. In recent years, she'd learned to play mahjong, and she always looked forward to playing with her mahjong group. Mom so loved people, she was great at keeping up with her friends and making new ones. Her Christmas list never dwindled in number. She always was interested in people and open to meeting new friends. She wanted to know their story, what drove them. She would encourage them, often encouraging them to do better and be better. Mom continued to love entertaining guests throughout her life. Both she and Dick enjoyed having people over and they really didn't need much notice or planning. Mom always kept a very clean, magazine-looking house. Mom expected the best out of, her, out of herself, and she liked to be acknowledged for it. Whether it was for her eye for design, attire, cooking, or simply effort, you stayed on her good side simply by complimenting her. Due to Mom's love of people, she never wanted anyone to be alone during the holiday celebrations. If she sensed anybody would be without family, she would invite others to join us. There was seldom a holiday when it was just our family. There was always room at the table for guests, which made for very memorable celebrations. I was fortunate to have been able to spend most of the last three months with mom. She was as determined and authoritative in her last months as she was during her life, and I wouldn't have expected anything different. We went head-to-head -head a few times when she decided her way was better than the doctor's, but we also shared some very special moments and memories. 
The last few weeks, we had been reading the book Heaven by Randy Alcorn. As we were reading, I'd asked Mom who she looked forward to seeing most in heaven. With no response, I guessed a few names. She smiled without any answer, but I could tell she cherished the thought. I'm so thankful to Mom for sharing with us about Jesus. From an early age and leaving us with our legacy of faith, I pray generations are blessed due to her faithfulness. Dick, thank you for loving Mom well. She loved you deeply and appreciated you more than you know. You made such a positive difference in her life, our lives, and many of her happiest times were with you. As the Christmas season begins and the radio stations start to play throwback Johnny Mathis and Carpenter songs, I know I'll get a little teary. Mom and my wife Debbie always wanted to play, to start playing Christmas songs before Thanksgiving, but I wouldn't let them. The morning after Thanksgiving, they'd wake up and decide which CDs to start cranking. Maybe I'll let Debbie start playing Christmas songs a little earlier than normal this year in memory of Mom. Thank you, Bryce. Wonderful, great, cherished memories. Beverly Cack, also known as Aunt Bev, is going to come and share some thoughts from their friendship. I'm going to have a little overlap just goes to show you certain things we especially remember about Pat. My mother-in-law would say to me, make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver, the other gold. Well, Pat was one of my old gold friends. Our friendship spanned 57 years. We met shortly after leaving university. Our husbands worked for the same company we bought our first homes near each other. We had children about the same time. Babysat for each other and carpooled the kids to preschool. We were family. To our children, she was Aunt Pat. It is interesting that we would become such good friends because Pat once said to me in that blunt way she could have, I didn't think that I liked you when I first met you. Lucky for me, that first impression didn't stick. When I think of Pat, I think determined. Sometimes we might refer to it as stubborn, but we all need a certain amount of resolve or determination in order to move forward in life. She determined to raise her two boys well, and she did. She determined to be a successful realtor, and she was. But what impressed me greatly was her determination to be actively involved in life to the very end, in spite of the tremendous pain I know that she lived with and had lived with for several years. 
Her pain was seldom an excuse not to meet with friends for lunch or dinner, host a neighborhood Christmas party in her home, in fact, just last Christmas, get to church on Sunday, travel north in the dead of winter to be with family for the holidays. She was going to be an active part of life until she just couldn't. Pat was giving. She really enjoyed giving gifts to people, and she seemed to do it effortlessly. Our little Bible study group would exchange gifts every Christmas. At one point, we discussed giving up the idea. After all, we'd been exchanging gifts for a lot of years. What more could we think to give each other? But Pat urged us to exchange again, saying that it could be something fun and simple. So exchange we did. And after we had opened our gifts and exclaimed over each one, I think that year Pat gave us some warm plush indoor socks with a Christmas motif, Pat said, now, wasn't that fun? Pat was competitive. Whether it was a sailing competition, selling cal calendars to raise money for the symphony orchestra, or just a card game, Pat was in it to win. You would want her on your team. Occasionally, she and I and our husbands would play a game of gin rummy, guys against the girls, of course. When the girls lost, she had a difficult time pulling out that dollar bill to pay her opponent. She didn't like to lose. Pat made things pretty. She liked color and loved flowers. When I think of her, I think red tulips because an arrangement of red silk tulips brightened her kitchen table. She had a certain flair, whether it was for putting together an outfit of clothing or decorating her home. You can even see that flair in her handwriting. It was made up of dramatic lines and curves. If you ever received a gift from Pat, it always came in a pretty box wrapped with lovely paper and ribbon or a decorative bag filled with some treasure and stuffed sometimes with gold paper. She could set a beautiful table for the holidays or for a dinner party. She knew how to bring sparkle to life. Pat liked to wear jewelry and she had some pretty things. But the one thing many of us will remember are her large gold hoop earrings. She wore them often. They were part of her attire, even as she was nearing the end of her life. Pat was a good friend. She was a good friend to many. I miss her and will probably realize just how much I miss her as the days go by. Pat and I shared the same faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for our sins and rose again. Because he rose again, so shall we who believe. Pat left this earth on October 31st, but she did not die. She is in heaven, experiencing a life free from pain and sorrow and tears. I expect to see her again one day. Perhaps we might even live on the same street. So let us remember Pat today and let us celebrate the life she lived and the life that is just beginning.
A poem by Ella Wheeler Wilcox. But to every mind there openeth a way and way and a way. A high soul climbs the highway and the low soul gropes the low and in between on the misty flats the rest drift to and fro. But to every man there openeth a highway and a low and every mind decideth the way his soul shall go. One ship sails east, the other west, but the saint by the same self winds that blow. Tis the set of the sails and not the gales that tells the way to go. Like the winds of the sea and the waves of time as we journey along through life, tis the set of the soul that determines the goal and not the calm or the strife. Our dear friend Pat was a person who knew how to set her sails. Life was not always easy for Pat. It's not all easy for any of us. The wind blows sometimes with us and sometimes against us. But our dear sister had this formidable spirit that allowed her a tight grip on the lines. And she chartered the stormy seas always with a point on the horizon fixed for herself and fixed for those she loved as well. Pat loved deeply and with honesty and with frankness and with hope for the best in all of us. And he shifted the sails she did with the hopes that it might bring us all to a deeper love of God and a deeper love of each other. She loved her first mate, Dick. The two of you were a great team and you have been a blessing to our community and you have shared your love with such grace. She loved her family and was always so proud to show them off at church and around town. She loved her God, whom she knew to be a friend and a guide to the right and virtuous life. Pat always had a sense as to what was the right thing to do 
and she was never shy to share it. Pat loved her friends near and far and always greeted us with that welcoming, hi. Pat was a strong foe to her illnesses. She was not one to go down without a fight, holding ever so tightly to those lines and shifting those sails, catching whatever wind was left to put a few more miles behind her. But now she's let go. She's handed the lines to another and allowed his gracious command at peace and finding her way home. It reminds me of that great poem by Henry Van Dyke. I'm standing upon the seashore. A ship at my side spreads her white sails to the moving breeze and starts for the blue ocean. She is an object of beauty and strength. I stand and watch her until at length she hangs like a speck of white cloud just where the sea and sky come to mingle with each other. Then someone at my side says, there, she is gone. Gone where? Gone from my sight, that's all. She is just as large in mast, hull, and spar as she was when she left my side, and she is just as able to bear her load of living freight to her destined port. Her diminished size is in me, not in her. And just at the moment when someone says, there she is gone, there are other eyes watching her coming and other voices ready to take up the glad shout. Here she comes. Praise God, from whom and to whom all blessings flow. Let us pray. O God, our Father, from whom we come and unto whom we return and in whom we live and move and have our being, we praise you for your good gift of life, for its wonder and mystery, its friendships. We give thanks for the, the ties that bind us to each other, for your loving and patient dealings with us, and for the meaning that lies hidden in the heart of sorrow, and for your guiding hand along the way of our pilgrimage, and for the wind of your spirit that fills our sails. We give thanks for this, your child, recalling all in her, her that made others love her. And we are grateful for the good and gracious influences in her home and for all who ministered to her best life. We thank you for the goodness and truth that have passed from her life into the lives of others and have made the world richer for her presence. We bless your name for the revelation of yourself and of your love in our Lord Jesus Christ and for the hope set before us in the gospel. And we thank you that deep in the human heart is an unquenchable trust that life does not end with death, that the Father who made us will care for us beyond the bound of vision, even as he cares for us here on this earth. And we praise your name for the resurrection of your son, Jesus, who is the source of our hope, not only today, but all days. And we pray for the comfort of your presence and the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Renew within us the gifts of faith, patience, and enduring love. And as we step out upon the world, may we sense that though we've lost one whom we've loved, 
we've not lost you. And that as you have received this, your child, so too will you receive us. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore, world without end and life without end. Amen.